for those watching. Uh, and if this synopsis doesn't hit, feel free to correct as we tweak it. So one is the first question started with saying, what's wrong with finding joy in serving? Uh, followed up with this conversation about how certain people are, I would say you kind of said, that's just who I am. And then um, uh, uh, someone else said, some of us are givers. Would that be accurate? Some of us are givers. Um, and then um, there was this idea that, look, we should serve and not expect something in return. So um, we're kind of like dealing with this idea of personality is, is, is how I'm perceiving this. What happens when my personality is that of someone that just gives? Someone that is um, wired in such a way that is not a taker, but is someone that, that uh, does for others automatically. Is that kind of how you're feeling things? Like, I'm a giver. Yeah, because I'm kind of sensing that from the both of both of your statements. Exactly. Right. Yep. So are we tracking on the right line? So this is something that, like, and, and please don't, <laughs> please don't take this uh, wrong or out of context, right? You're going to have to really dig deep, and I'm, I mean this, like, this is a, this is not an easy concept to, uh, to digest or accept, right? This is going to be difficult and hard for those of you that are givers, for those of you that, that put yourself in that category, um, this is hard. And so I'm going to just preface by what is going to be said before my wife annihilates you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> but before, like, there's a goal that we have in this week of selfishness, in this troll of selfishness. And just think about, remember, we're, we're coming at this series from a different perspective. Most marriage series, and we established this at the beginning, say, like, one week would be faith in your marriage. One week would be uh, grace in your marriage and passion. It would be the good things that you would have. We're approaching this from the negative end. Does everybody see that? We're saying here are bad things in your relationship, right? So just keep that in mind. This isn't just, uh, you know, helpful tips for your marriage. This is saying we're identifying roots to bad things, and we want to get them out. So, um, and we'll come, we'll come back to you, but we're, t we're setting this up, we're teeing this up in the context of what, what we were trying to achieve last week, and I don't feel like we necessarily achieved it. So this is why we're, we're willing to, to dig in here. Um, but it's very important for you to see that, and naturally we knew this going into this week of selfishness, we knew the people who would have trouble with this. If you're a naturally a selfish person, you don't have a problem at all saying, hey, I'm selfish. Or self-serving. Or self-serving. Self-serving is the better it's term It's a better way of saying because it. Because yeah. it's not, I don't think that it's necessarily different, but I think that there are people who are constantly looking to serve themselves. Mic up. We're, we're digging in officially right now. You ready? All right, take a deep <laughs> breath. Go ahead. I think there are people who are, who are more worried with serving themselves, and there are more people who are more worried with serving others. But either way, you know, selfishness can be tied into that. And right. 
you know, and I don't want to, I don't know which no. track you were exactly going on, but it, what I was okay. going to say is I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with finding joy and serving people around you because that, I mean, that the Bible talks about that. It's there, you, there is joy in the Christian life. And part of that is serving people around you. And that's a byproduct that you get to receive as a Christian when you serve people, that sure. you get to enjoy that, you know, people who never serve others, don't get to receive that joy. But I think where it gets dangerous is when we get really addicted to that joy and we rely on those things to bring us joy. And that's where it can become really problematic because our joy has to come from serving Jesus. And that joy comes from obeying him and obeying him is not always the fun stuff. And I think that's what's hard and that's what we've seen so much. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. Are you trying to point yeah. to me that you're going to I was just going to okay. say pause. Okay. I was going to say pause. Okay. Just to give a, and I want you to jump right back in. Yeah. But to dissect this, from serving Jesus, right? So the context is the fruit of the spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy, right? So it's a fruit of the spirit. So what she's saying is, um, people that are doing good things and good deeds are all over the world that are not a part of the church, right? And so they're receiving something from that, similar to the talk of fasting, when Jesus talked about the person who tells people that they're fasting, they've received their reward. What's the reward? That other people what? Know about it, right? And so the fine line is, is that there's a fruit of the spirit that happens from within. And it's just that. It's from where? Within. Mm -hmm. And so the blurred line, and I said this on Sunday, right? A lot of this connects with where we are in Romans. The danger, a verse that should terrify you, is Jesus will say in his ministry, many will say, Lord, Lord, I've what? Prophesied. I've done wonderful works. And he'll say what? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. So what we're trying to say is that there are people that are doing really good things that are not going to make it to heaven. There are people that are doing really good things that have not identified or separated the fact that it is not them that is doing it. And they have blurred that line and they're absorbing the good things that happen. And what it is is it's a dopamine hit. So the context of what we're saying is there's a joy that comes from serving the Lord within the spirit. That's the only, that's the avenue for us to receive something and give the Lord what? Glory. If it doesn't happen in that context, we're in trouble. So there's a, there's a fine line. That's okay. Just, I, we can just pick up, but I think that, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but we're just trying to build this, trying to build this worldview so that we can kind of set some boundaries here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, that's, I think that what you were saying, like there are people out there that do a lot of good, but often, you know, they are doing it because they just want that good feeling. They want to have, they want to have that hit of dopamine when, when it makes somebody happy and, and they want to have, you know, the recognition. And for some people, they're very outright with it, right? Like they are posing in front of the thing they did. And this is, you know, and they're, they have a whole album of it on their Facebook. And that might not be you and you might not be as outright. But if, you know, if you're still doing that and you're looking for that recognition and that validation, 
it's just it I just think it's a really slippery slope I think that's what it is it's it comes down to that and um, a verse came to mind when we were talking earlier and it's in Psalm 139 and it's just search me oh God and know my heart and see if there are any wicked ways in me you know we can't there are wicked ways right and we have to ask God to help us to search our own hearts because our hearts are wicked right and that doesn't mean that nothing good can come from them because we have the Holy Spirit, but we have to ask the Lord to help us examine ourselves. That's being self-aware. And, you know, that's why we have the Lord's Supper, like bringing the gospel full circle. You know, that is, that's a really important, um, what's the word? I'm losing it. It's like baptism in the, what are they? Church ordinances. It's a really important ordinance. And for a lot of people, it's just like an activity we do at church, but it's actually very sacred. Because it is a time when you're supposed to take... And the Lord's administering grace in that. What? He's administering grace to us in that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's a thing. But it's a time where we are supposed to search our own hearts, and we are supposed to ask the Lord, where, what have I done? Where am I? What am I missing? You know, what am I seeing that I haven't repented for? It's that time to check in and to examine yourself. And that's why it's so important to do it, you know? And it's, you know, I feel strongly about it, you know, and it's, you know, I think over the years I've heard people that are like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do it wrong, so I'm just not going to do it, but that's also the wrong attitude. Like, it's so important because that is what's going to keep you on the path that you need to be on is that self-examination and the fact that we're saying, Lord, what is in my heart that, that isn't right? Where do I, where am I doing things in my own power or where am I looking for a different result? But um, uh, back to the, yeah. the question, though, I think like if we're addressing givers and we're putting it under the umbrella of self self-centeredness or selfishness, our goal last week, and, and this seems like a, a pretty nasty goal, but our goal was to show everyone that they're self-centered and selfish. That's kind of our goal. And so, uh, you know, if you struggle finding selfishness and self-centeredness inside your heart and where that where that thing lies in my experience of working with people in ministry it's just it's really a personality thing you know it's it's people have this personality where they think they're just givers but a lot of other people that are more open more willing to admit fault on certain things look some people that's like that's my nature like i'm i'm pretty quick to just say yeah i'm an idiot <laughs> and that that's been a learned behavior for through the years of of being okay admitting fault and saying yeah i, I I screwed that up, you know what I mean? But like everybody's different in that. Some people, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to reveal to them, uh, and a lot of that's humility. You know, their life will do that to you. Life once once life wrecks you a time or two, and you walk through those things, and you're like, okay, um, yeah, I don't I don't have to have everything perfect. You know, as a leader, like even where I'm at now, I, I own this quote a lot from Groeschel. People want someone who's real rather than someone who's always right, you know, and and that's the truth. Uh, I would rather err on the side of being real, but you have to be, uh, and and the problem is, is those that are, and we'll just categorize you givers, and we're not coming for you, right? But a lot of people who would classify themselves as givers, and we've done a lot of self-awareness training with the Enneagram, it's just, uh, there's a lot of things that matter to you. And you have to put yourself in a category of, of someone that needs the gospel just as much. 
and that needs Jesus just as much and that is just as self-centered as everybody else is. And so some of us are self-centered with our good deeds and some of us are self-centered with our bad deeds. And, and until this makes sense, until this clicks with all of us, we shouldn't move on. And that's where this week is, it's worth it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, we have to come to grips with the fact that no matter, if that's the type of person that you are, if you're the giver, you still are selfish and self-centered and need Jesus. Um, Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Um, I think that, um, you know, figuring figuring out which one, what would you say to that? I know that it's been a while since we've done that. I know. We haven't read that book in a long time. It's been a um, we're, we're more up on the, the Enneagram stuff. Yeah, I, I think that that is really helpful because then you know better how to serve people around you because it's kind of, were you guys here last week? Okay. We were talking about, like, how sometimes, you know, people will do something really nice for somebody that's something they would really like, and it's really not very helpful or kind push, because push you're like... That. And this is a well, good time for that illustration with, uh, uh, illustration. we talked about with Rainy. Oh, okay. This is good. I think this yeah. will help kind of bring some clarity. Um, yeah, so this is just a, an example with Rainy this morning. She's just, she's she's very helpful, and she's very sweet, but... She's also a sinner, right, like the rest of us. And she um, she got up this morning, and she she likes to cook in the kitchen, and she do by herself. She likes when I help her a little bit, but she'd rather do it all by herself. And last night, we Pause. had a late dinner. And this is me interpreting her story for you, and so that you can kind of, like, read behind the line. No, I'm, like, this is what's important. We're identifying in our children the giver in them. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what we're saying? We've identified that Rainy is that person. Yeah. Rainy is the one who will give and give and serve and serve and do, mm-hmm. right? And there's another who will take and take and take and take and take, mm-hmm. right? But both have their challenges mm-hmm. and both have to be redeemed and sanctified by the Lord. We just approach the issues differently with a child that's a firstborn. I'm an Enneagram three, which means I'm more concerned with my image, right? And how things look. Uh, right? That, that's what we're identifying. One would be a giver, one would be a taker. Rainy would be the giver in this scenario, right? Yeah. So the kitchen, I had not cleaned up the kitchen fully last night. Like we had a little bit of a late dinner. The dishes weren't completely done. It wasn't like a huge mess, but it was not fully cleaned. And she got up this morning and I think she helped the twins get breakfast or I don't know, they probably did it themselves because they're getting very independent. But she decided that she was going to make lunch for later, and she was going to make tuna. And so you can imagine an eight-year-old making tuna. She's opening cans. She's draining the tuna. She's got the mayonnaise. (laughs) Wearing her mother's apron. Yeah, she's got a whole production going on in the kitchen that was already messy to begin with, right? And so, you know, I come down, and I'm like, Rainy, you know, I know that you were trying to be nice, but I also know that you like to make messes in the kitchen and you didn't want to ask me if you could make tuna because you knew I would probably say no because the kitchen was already kind of a mess. And I would have said, let's just have turkey sandwiches. And you really wanted to make the tuna because that was what you wanted to do. So it was like a learning experience for her that let's not ignore the fact that you did want to do something nice because that was really sweet of you. But let's think about 
how you can do something nice to truly serve the people around you. And if I said, if you really wanted to do something nice for me or dad or, or whoever, then what would be something that would be a better way to serve us? And I said, was the dishwasher clean? And she's like, yes. I said, that if you would have unloaded the dishwasher, that would have been really, really helpful. And so I think it's stuff like that with with adult on an adult level. That's kind of like helping people understand to say it was really kind that you you got up and you went in the kitchen and you wanted to do something nice, but you were also serving yourself in the fact that you did an activity that you really wanted to do, and you knew I would probably say no, but you did it anyway, and it was all I was just trying to do something nice for you, right. but if you really want to do something nice for me, you wouldn't have made a mess in the kitchen. You would have unloaded the dishwasher and instead of doing that, you know? Yeah. You would have done the thing that you didn't want to do. Yes. Instead of the thing you wanted to do and then kind of cover it with, I'm being nice and doing something nice for my family. So, you know, and with a child, obviously I don't want to squelch and squash her desire to serve, but I also want to guide her in that service to say, you need to think about the person you're serving and how how to best serve that person. And that will carry into her marriage and into her whole life and hopefully be the kind of person who will see the need in somebody else and meet that need instead of fulfilling her desire. So like, one second, let me finish this. Um, You know, so I think that we all have things we like to do. Like I enjoy cooking, right? So I like to cook for my family, but there are just times where that's not what's needed, right? Like, that's not the thing that's needed. I always need so, your cooking. Well, <laughs> always. But I have, to, I have to examine that, right? Like, is this the thing our family needs me to be doing right now? Mm. I can bake for them and say, look, I made this wonderful thing for you, and I really enjoy doing it, but if it's not what that moment needs, then yeah. I'm doing that in a, in a self-serving way, and I need to do that at a time maybe that is where it is just a break for me or whatever. Like, I just think there's better ways to go about that. But your mic's still on. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, also about the, um, like, joy and self-examination, I think that for me, I try to ask myself, you know, if I'm going to do something for somebody, like, would I do this for somebody who really annoys me? Or, like, somebody who really is, like, not my favorite person. That neighbor who's kind of rude. Or that person who gets on my nerves because of X, Y, and Z. That kid who's mean to my kid, why would I do something nice for their mom? Or, like, I think I try to push it through that filter of, like, would I do this for anybody if the Lord asked me to? And I think sometimes that's a good way to examine your motives is it's, like, am I just doing something nice for people that I love or am I doing this out of obedience to God? Because he will lead you to do things that you never thought that he, like, wanted you to do. Um, I don't know if you can add to that, but it's kind of that, like, if, if God called us to the mission field in Africa, could I have the same joy that I have living in my house in Essex? You know, and that's the question because it's still all serving God and it's still all right now. I believe I'm living in obedience, but if he asked us to go live in Tanzania, Oh, like that would be a tough pill to swallow, but I would have to have the same joy there, like living in obedience to him. I, it, it's just so, part so of it. Here's like the, it, she's talking about, that was so, I hope, had a question too. yeah, we'll come, we'll come to it. I hope y'all absorbed that. Like it's so good on every level. And, um, the, the thing of understanding here when it comes to our giftings and, and this is something that, uh, is really difficult 
right? And if you're an Enneagram 3, I'm in that boat with you in some of those ways, right? That I can make things look a certain way, right? But sometimes the Lord doesn't want it to look that way. And if the Lord wants you to fail in a specific area, are you okay with accepting failure in that? Are you okay with using a gifting in a way that God wants to almost like exploit it? Listen to the scripture we read last week in this context. Do nothing out of self-ambition or conceit, but in humility considering others as more important than yourselves. And we know that Jesus took this a step further and said, what? Love your enemies. So what Sarah's saying of doing something for someone you don't like, in our experience, people that we've dealt with in church work that had this problem of self-centeredness but never saw it, right? Um, They would only serve in certain areas. They would only do certain things as long as it was and could be controlled by who? Them. And that's what we're saying. Like, could the Lord take your gifts and deploy them in areas that you absolutely don't want them to be used there? And then you'd be okay with it. Case in point, Jonah. He preaches a sermon and they, they have revival. And what happens? He goes up the hill and he pouts that they all got saved. Why? Because he didn't want his gifting to be used on people that he didn't like. And you know that story never has a resolution. Does everybody know that? The prophet ends sulking. What happens when we're called to use our giftings in a way that we don't want God to use our giftings? Well, we have to see that we wouldn't have the gifting if it wasn't for who? For God. We are just vessels. We are just vessels to be used. And so what we're trying to do is identify Every one of us, and here's where the rubber meets the road in your relationships and how this troll is so good. There's, there's many times, many times that you are not going to want to do that thing for your spouse because they made you mad or upset. Or let's just put your spouse or your significant other in that place or in that role. And it's like, look, if you think it's always going to be perfect, then you haven't been married that long. You haven't been together that long. Look, we know that there are good days and what? Bad days. And the point is, is that your level of service and commitment should not change on the bad days. And if it does, you're self-centered and you're selfish. That's the whole point of this context. The whole point of this discussion is that you should be serving your spouse in whatever he or she needs in whatever context, because it's what God has called you to do. If the Lord uses marriage, right, as a picture of Christ in the church, then we ought to serve well, regardless in any context and in any way in our marriage relationship, and that should never stop or look differently depending on the season of marriage. Does that make sense? What was the next question? Miss Patty, it isn't.
You're selfish no matter what. Right. Yeah. The answer is, is yes. Right? So to be, let's confuse the crap out of everybody. You ready? No, the, the, the answer is yes. Right? Uh, if you are, then yes, you are selfish and self-centered. If you're not, then yes, you're selfish and self-centered. The answer is no matter what. If you're doing it or if you're not doing it, you're selfish and self-centered. The goal is to serve each other, though. The goal is to do that. We're not saying that the goal isn't to serve your significant other. The goal is to identify when that behavior is being twisted. And so in this troll, uh, to drive this home and to keep driving it home, in this troll, there is going to be the spouse that we ought to, listen, if this were to be a 30 second, how long is a TikTok? Somebody tell me. Huh? Three, oh man, I was going to say 60 seconds. If this was going to be a three-minute video of what selfishness looks like in a marriage, I'm telling you that the culture would have the bumpkin husband sitting on a couch. Give me another beer, sweetheart. And has the remote. Like, we could profile this and literally we could stage a video to, like, portray what selfishness looks like what does selfishness not look like the lady in the kitchen and she's going to work and getting the kids out the door right our society is screwed up in roles and all of it right and so what we're saying is the bible confronts both the lazy tail that's on the sofa that doesn't help and the mom that's doing everything both can be selfish and self-centered and self-serving Look, and social media has exacerbated this. Like you have to see that a like and a comment, we, I, we were talking about this today. Do you want to pick up here or do you want me to finish my thought and then you pick it up? Um, can I ask you a question? I, I Go was ahead, just going to say, though, like I, I definitely think that we weren't trying to say <laughs> if you serve and do for others, you're for sure doing that in the wrong spirit or you have the wrong motives. I think that all of us, if we're honest, we have a mix yeah. of that. There are times where we're like, yes, I'm obeying the Lord. I don't care who knows or doesn't know, and I'm doing this. Like, I'm just obeying the Lord in this. And I think there are other times that if we're honest, we're like, this just is going to feel so good to do this for this person. Yeah. And we're looking for that feeling, you know. So I think it's a, you know, if we're just honest with ourselves, I do think that there's a mixture of yeah. that because that's that that is that's our lives right we have we're still flesh. we have the holy spirit but we have yeah. flesh so everything we do is gonna be a little bit of both and that's alan stone's new song actually isn't it a little, a little bit, bit of, of both, both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love that guy um but yeah. that's our life like it's gonna be that way and we yeah. have to constantly fight to live in that obedience mm. So that we are doing things in the Holy Spirit and for the Lord and not yeah. for ourselves and our, you know, our ego or our good feelings or whatever. So I think that it's, it's certainly not, you, you can certainly serve in the Spirit for sure. And yeah. that's what we should all be doing. And that's really what it comes down to is are you serving in the Spirit? Yeah. Are you doing it out of obedience to the Lord? What is the reason you're doing it? You yeah, know? and so if, if we can bring all of this together, right, if, if we use this thing of conflict, right, how many have a perfect marriage? I love it. I love Smart man, smart man. Uh, he knows what's up. <laughs> so so here's, the, here's the thing, right? This, this is what's helpful. We know that there are people that would classify themselves as givers and people that would say, 
no, I'm just here for the party, right? So what we're trying to do is, is show that both have a place at the table with the wrong, not just one or the other. And I'm, I'm just, we're trying to be helpful here. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to say that, uh, look, we've... we've it's just a hard, yeah. it's a hard thing. Like I said, there are some, the devil counterfeits. He does. What, you know. Yeah, but it's, thing. you're not doing yourself any favors leaving the troll there just because you're the one who's always fixing everything. You're the one, if it wasn't for you, and if people say this about you, right? If it wasn't for you, this thing wouldn't work. Or it's all on you. What we're trying to say is, and remember last week's statement was, if one person decides that they're going to end selfishness and self-centeredness in the relationship, it could get better if one of you decides. And I, I mean, I've heard all the, it takes both and all that stuff. We're saying yes to some of that, but this is a biblical approach to the troll. A biblical approach to the troll is that you need the gospel in your marriage. And according to 1 Corinthians, Paul says, if you're even married to someone who's unsaved, but they're not abusing you, you need to stay in that relationship because you could bring salvation to the whole family. So the point is, is you're in a marriage relationship and things aren't good. You don't just get out. You decide that you're going to find your selfishness and your self-centeredness in it and you fix you. And, and that is how we take a path towards uh, having better marriages. That's how we exterminate the trolls. Not by saying, if they would just do X, Y, and Z, then you're missing the point. We got three minutes, just so you know. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just letting you know it's 8.07. It is. Well, when we talked about the troll of pride, we talked about how we all bring stuff in. We all have brought stuff into this marriage. And so when the Lord chooses, listen, he's redeeming you for salvation. And when you enter into a covenant, it's no longer him just redeeming you. It's him redeeming the unit. Him redeeming you together in a spirit of oneness. And so what happens is, is because that's extremely difficult, we just go separate, and then we have the truce marriage that we talked about last week. And so what we're trying to say is, like, wherever you fit personality-wise, if you're the person who's always doing the right thing and the good thing, own your stuff. Don't let it be said that because you're always so good and kind-hearted, it's just not your fault. That's We hear that a lot, a ton. Trust me. It's, if you have a you-know-what marriage... It's not because of the other person. It's just not. Because one person can begin down the path of redeeming and reconciling that relationship. And so that's really where the mindset comes in is that, look, when you, when you 
if you take these scriptures that are on this paper and you really dissect them, you're going to find the gospel in your marriage. And you're going to be like, Lord, there is things for me to do to serve my, my husband or serve my wife in this marriage relationship that is all the ministry you need. And it's tough. It's not, it's not easy. And we, were gonna, we, we, we talked about people do this in their physical relationship. When it comes to sex, I mean, we hear a lot of this, um, and not, not just from our church, but like the mentality. Look, just watch TV. It's, it's leverage. Sex is leverage. It's, it's something used in, it like, a, like a tool or, or in combat in the relationship. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to do what I want. You know what I mean? And it's like that, that spirit, right? And, and where most of the time it's women using it against men, and sometimes that can be reversed, right? But we have to, we have to exterminate all of that. We have to take out all selfishness, all self-centeredness out of our relationship in order to achieve something that's Christ-honoring. And so you have to really look at every area and go, okay, uh, how do I remove me from this equation? And once you're able to kind of tease that out, you're on the path. You're on the path to humility that will begin to grow what, what actually love is. Anyway. And I think that, you know, also when you do that more and more, I think that God allows you so many times to to get to do the things you love to do in your your service to him. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have found that in our lives a lot, you know, that we um, might say, just like you were saying, I just, I really love shopping. And so I kind of use that as my way to be, you know, to be generous or whatever. And that's nice, but you're identifying, okay, but I also kind of like, just like doing it. But I think that the more that you give that to the Lord and you say like, Lord, what, who do you want me to bless? And what do you want me to do with these resources that I have to purchase something? Like, who do you, how do you want me to use this? And as you continue to just give him, like give him, you know, full control of that, then he's going to give you joy in doing those things and that's kind of what I was saying in the beginning like you will find joy in obeying the Lord with and and he weaves it all in with what we what we like because he created us with all these different gifts and all these you know um, things that we are drawn to and and everybody's different in that way and I think that he will why would he create you with those things and then not not utilize them but I think it's just surrendering to him though and saying I want to do this the way you want me to do it. And I want to give in the way you want me to. So how do you want me to do that? Show me that, you know, and ask him to, to just reveal that to you so that you can walk in that and, you know, get to do something that the Lord has already put on your heart, but just, you know, exactly how he wants it. Yeah. So, you know, just to kind of put a, you know, the, the end punctuation here. We didn't. That's okay. It'll, we'll maybe next week. Uh, but I, I think, you know, and Patty really brought this out in her clarification. It's what we're addressing is the negative side. When things are not working in your relationship, don't just exclude yourself if you're the person who's looked at as the good person in the relationship. That's, that's the goal here. Of course you should serve your spouse. Of course you should do good things for them. 
of course, yeah, I mean, I got my, my car, was that two days ago? Uh, and my wife had a, a nice little note in there with candy on my uh, speedometer. Man, that just sent me through the roof. You know, I was like, man, that's awesome. And, and she exhibits that for our children. They saw it, and it was like the hot day. The mamba, I love those mamba candies. Anybody know the mamba? Anybody know mamba? Yes. Oh, I love taffy. Anything taffy. And it was so hot, I couldn't open them because they were sticking. So I sent her a picture. I had them all in my air vents going across my car. <laughs> Crank that air down. And I said, it's about 15 seconds in the air vent. And I could open them right up, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're, we're all for that. If this was like, here's 10 ways to serve your spouse, we're, we're on board with all of those good things. What we're talking about in this is selfishness and self-centeredness. And in our experience, one thinks that they are and one thinks that they're not. Nine times out of 10, when we're talking and dealing with couples who are having issues, and, and what we're saying is biblically, what, what Jesus says is you both got issues. That's what we're saying and that's what we're addressing. Does anybody else have any questions tonight? Jim, or statements. It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I also think that once you identify that and you talk about it, then it opens up that conversation and then your spouse feels a lot more comfortable saying to you, hey, you know how you said that you were kind of like struggling with acting this way? You're kind of acting that way. You know, it makes it to where you can say that because you've, you've already – You've already opened it up. You've already aired it, you know, and it's, it's a lot easier to yeah, have that conversation. Yeah, and how many, she, she is my biggest advocate in saving me from myself. Like, don't, don't miss this too. It's like your spouse should be, they should know all of your dirt and they should know your propensities to what sins those things are. My wife knows, Right. It's not something that I've, I've done so well to keep it hidden for 15 years. <laughs> but, but spouses who have two different lives, that's what it is, right? Instead, when you become one, she knows all that garbage, and I've given her a line of communication to call me out on it. Some of you that, that think you're one way, what you really need to do is sit at the table and look at your spouse and say, tell me actually how I really am. Tell me actually when I am, I'm, I'm serious. And here's the truth. Many, you don't have a good enough relationship to receive what they have to say. <laughs> but y'all, y'all are open in that way. And I've, I've, I've seen that. And I respect that. But it's like, look, look, it kind of is what it is, but <laughs> we're working through it. You know what I mean? But I think that the Lord has on, like the Lord's given a lot of grace in that when you guys were transparent in a lot of those ways. It is what it is. But then you work to that point, you know. But I, I really think that like there's something there to that. And if you all will sit down at the table and say, look, hit me with it. It's going to be hard. 
it's going to be difficult. Don't do it before you have to be five minutes down the road somewhere else. Like, have some time and space. Or don't do it at 1045. Which is when we <laughs> have every discussion. When I'm falling asleep in bed, no, wake up. You're going to hear me right now. Women, like, why do you do that? Because we don't have why? any other time. You put all the kids to bed, and it's like, now at when I'm falling asleep, you want to discuss all these things. Anyway, and I'm like, let me go get a cup of coffee. But it's, it's vitally important. There was one thing I wanted to share and send you with along that line. Oh, Saturday, I said something to somebody, and, and my wife was in earshot, and after everybody left, she was like, you know, you were like that guy and I'm like what do you mean she's like, you were that guy you came off so arrogant when you said that to that person and I was like for real she's like yeah you argued with me at first I did argue no I said oh sweetheart thank you so much showing me revealing that yeah it was like are you ser-? and I even said like well that's kind of what I meant and you missed the first part of the conversation you know but it ended with me sending the guy a text apologizing and I had a great conversation with him because of that, uh, he didn't reveal that, but she was right, for sure. He did, <laughs> he did, yeah. But my point is, is because I have someone in my corner who's not just telling me what I want to hear, but she's telling me what I need to hear. It, it keeps the devil out of your relationship. But anyway, there's so much goodness here. Remember, we, we are pushing on kind of the negative end, and that's okay. Like, we're, we're just, we're being honest here. That's right. Yeah. What's next week's troll? We haven't decided which one we're going to do yet. All right. We've got three more we're doing. Um, it's going to be good.